Hi, I'm Michael, host of the Murder Mile True Crime Podcast, which was nominated as one of the best British true crime podcasts of 2018, is based on my five-star rated guided walk, and features more than 300 untold, unsolved, and long-forgotten murders, all set within one square mile of London's West End. So if you love hearing about new cases for the first time, all cases through a fresh pair of ears, and classic cases with a twist. All researched using the original declassified police investigation files, written using first-hand accounts, and recorded using authentic sounds from the murder location itself, then Murder Mile is just for you. Download the Murder Mile True Crime Podcast on iTunes, Acast, or your favourite podcast platform every Thursday. Thank you for listening, and stay safe. Everybody, this is Danielle. And Hello, this- <laughs> <laughs> I'm the mommy, and our, our mother here is with us to replace Daniel for the evening, daytime, whenever you're listening for fun. I'm yes. having fun already. Yep. And I'm Carla, and we're Hoosier Homicide, a true crime podcast by Hoosiers for Hoosiers, or for anyone that doesn't know what a Hoosier is. Yay! Yay! Ruby. It's an all girls episode. That All hasn't right. happened. I know. It's better that way. Ha <laughs> 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 Well, we did the one episode where it was just you and I when we were camping. In oh, a, yeah. In a tent. I forgot about that. Where I tried to tell scary stories. I was scared. I was only scared by the hand dryer going off. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't real. It was like it wanted to be camping. but I was just scared because I was laying next to a three-year-old. <laughs> she wanted to be with you for some reason. For some reason. For I was some, cool with it. For some reason. Let's see, <laughs> I'm the most popular. Yeah, you are. I'm it. Uh mom usually always usually always mm-hmm, watch while we record. So And really that makes me I'm really instrumental for everything. Yeah. I'm it, instrumental for this podcast happening. I'm instrumental for it continuing. I'm instrumental in every aspect, and I also use big words. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So every time I see a big word today, you have to go ding, 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 ding. ding. Mom. She is the, she's the backbone of this podcast. She has to hear about it all the time, ask me complain about it, or talk about murder, or what I think about I'm doing, what we're not doing. Can you get everyone together? Is what this time, time okay? is going to work? Na 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 na. Usually works out pretty well. It does. I mean, it's hard because it's four adults to coordinate. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not just three; it's four mm-hmm. and one kid. <laughs> one yeah. crazy kid. She is crazy. We basically brought our mom on to save our podcast. That's why we're here. 
Yeah. Okay. To absolve us of our sins, to humble yes. us some. We must be humbled. To remind us that there's more to podcasting than just being crude. There is, is so there? much more. And I just don't want to hear it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no, let's see. What did we get? I had to... Someone, someone's breaking the rules or not listening to the rules. When we say, go and give a five-star review, but don't go give a review if you're not going to give... A nice one. A nice one. A nice five-star review. Someone's not paying attention. So what do we need? Well, this one is very confusing. So that means I like it a little bit. Mm-hmm. But it still came with a one star. Oh. The title of it is Keep Trying, which I have to tell myself that every day. Yeah. But then it says, terrible structure and foul. Grow up. Oh, my. So oh, my. I brought my mother here to prove that I have grown up in some fashion. In the past week, you've really grown up. I can just tell. We believe this person went to Ron Colley. Oh, no. I just oh, was yeah, talking Rebel about Girl. Ron Colley today. Rebel Girl, 1984. Yeah. Uh-oh. That would so, be. I wish I could say what I really want to say. Well, you know. That would be ten years after me, so I may not know them unless. Oh, so you're saying it's they're they're probably old, old. old. Yeah, <laughs> they probably are old. <laughs> they probably are. All right. Well, this not is not as old as me. <laughs> I'm not here to grow up. No, no. You're not here to grow up, and you're not here to inbreed either. No. Oh yeah, Ron Colley does do. We that. just talked about that today, and mm-hmm. we were at a. An open house, and there was a realtor whose boss is from Roncalli, and she's made a reference to inbreeding. Like, or all you people know each other. You all know each other. Our DNA knows each other. Yeah, like, that's, yeah. Because I, once you, it's like you go there, you're like almost there's a, there's a high percentage you're going to marry someone that went there. And this isn't a very big high school. No, it's not. So I'm I'm challenging those out there. To not do it, <laughs> and then they have, then they send their kids there, and their kids meet Make their your own there. way in the world. There you That's go. That's all I've yes. got to say. There's a world past. Oh wait Prague. a minute! I sent my kids to Ron College. <laughs> <laughs> Neither one. Okay, of us but are it, that was just the most convenient. There. I feel like. Well, because you had your parents right there. Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's convenient. It was convenient. Then we got another bad review. Right, so clearly Mitchin. people are not listening. They're not listening to us. We told you we're not very good at this. No, and I'm not meant. We're not meant to be that good at it. <laughs> Damn it! And their title is "I just cannot," and it's like, "Amen." I just cannot either. I just can't do it. Um, they they must have found the episode about me fishing some type of fecal matter out of a toilet. That they found. Okay, that this episode. is life, people. It really happened. Like. This is life. We talk about the things that you talk about to your friends. We just put it on the internet. Hallelujah. And that we're geared toward fifth graders. Fifth graders should not listen to this. No. And if they do, (laughs) don't tell your parents. (laughs) (laughs) It's much more of a sixth grader type show. I'd say roughly seventh grade, maybe. And they're they're downtrodden by this because... Downtrodden. Ding, 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 ding. It it could be a good podcast. Maybe they should make one geared towards adults. Whatever. All my friends are immature as fuck, so. I know, and then I was thinking, like, if everything that we said or did on this podcast uh, offended me, my life would be even more shitty than it is. 
Yeah. Like if everything that I talked about or you said or Daniel said was upsetting or offensive and not funny, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing, my dear? Imagine being offended by everything. <gasps> it's got to be funny or you're going to cry. <laughs> yeah. It's... You got to make. Yeah. You have to it make has to be bearable in some way. So. If it's not funny, it sucks. We might suck also. <laughs> <laughs> so because of this, I put, uh, and a lot of podcasts will put a disclaimer at the beginning, like for adults only, not suitable for work, put your earbuds in, you know, adult content, blah, blah, blah. We don't say it at the beginning because there are no rules. We don't have to. I think it affects the flow of the podcast unless I have a pre-recorded clip to put in and I don't have that. So it's in the show notes of every episode. And it's the disclaimer. Unoffendable adults only. That's step one. You and you know, the thing is, we don't even talk about topics that really are offensive to people. No, like, I don't. No politics. No politics. We and don't. We don't touch on that. the most offensive thing there is these days. Yeah. Yeah. We don't do. Yeah. It's unoffendable adult only. So you have to do a self-evaluation and to decide on your inner being if you are able to be offended. and. If so, don't listen. Yeah, because we don't really further. need you anyway. Just don't. <laughs> like, I don't want you to get upset over your day, anything, any other reason than what you already are upset. So, unoffendable adults only, explicit, crude, graphic content provided by three unbalanced family members. And I can attest to that. Yes. Ding, 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 ding. Ding, 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 ding. Proceed at your own risk. So the last two reviews that were left, they did not read this disclaimer, which if one went to Roncalli, I assume they can read because we all can read and we went there. Yes. Otherwise, I don't know. But I'm also going to read the subject matter of our show. You know, you hear the, the gibberish at the beginning that I say every time, but it is everyone is welcome to hear us struggle to stay on topic, use foul language. Discuss graphic imagery, insult one another, and talk about shit in its rawest form. So if you are an adult that is not easily offended and would like to hear about different cases that may not have been discussed before, then you have found yourself in the Hoosier state. All right, all right. Children. That was a long dissertation. Yes, it was. Apparently it has to be. We got to make it any longer? No, I don't want to have to do this, but we're, no. we're doing it. And I brought our mom here to supervise so everyone's feelings are in check. We brought a stamp room. What do you say to make us feel better? I just say, move on. Let's do it. It's everything's. It'll be all right. Everything, it'll, it'll be, be all okay. right. It'll be okay. It, I always if you don't say, like what you hear, just turn it off. I move always on. say, we'll figure it out. We will figure it we out. We will figure it out. We will figure it together. Out. And one way to figure this show out is just to click off. If you don't, don't like you it. so. Because no one's forcing you to be here. Someone's forcing me to be here. Yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> if you so desire, go ahead and click off. If not, stay tuned. Stay tuned. Don't drop your shit, Danielle. Oh, my. That's another saying. <laughs> okay. So I'm glad we got that out of the way. I feel much better that everyone has been warned. If I could send you consent forms, I would, but I can't, so I won't. Instead, and we don't care either. If you go on and give five-star reviews and send me your address with a written five-star review screenshot of it, I'll send you free stickers. Like you That's listen- kind of the easiest thing you could do uh, all day. Yeah. You listen to us talk about shit. Don't get upset about it. I'll send you free shit. 
Not literal shit, because that would be weird. But and maybe against the law. Maybe. Give us some props. Props? Remember, I'm the backbone, and I will hear about yeah. the good things. Nina needs yeah. some cash flow. Nina needs some. <laughs> she needs that cash flow. Any other updates? Um, you went on a date. I went to a wedding. Mm. Mm, mm, I went mm. to a wedding, and uh, it was really cute, and they had... Fazoli's cater it and it was amazing. I like Fazoli's a lot. Oh, that's a really good idea. I saw I saw someone else with the food and I was like, I literally looked at Riley, my friend who who took me as her plus one, and I was like, if that's not Fazoli's, I'm gonna be upset. (laughs) That better be fucking Fazoli's. We walked back there and the napkin say Fazoli's. I was like, this is awesome. Hey man, I'm so happy (laughs) for you. What a good idea. It was it was so good. Yum. I knew, and I was like, they had the breadsticks, they had penne noodles, they had fettuccine, they had salad. That stuff lasts forever, too. They had meatballs. The meatballs were really good. I want the breadsticks. And probably reasonably priced and good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it was at a dance studio. It was, like, really nice. Yeah. Good. All righty. I know. Then what'd you do? Um, Tried to go out, and that didn't really work out. Okay. You had a date. No. Yeah, you did. No. no. She's not allowed to talk about it. She can just deny it, and I can say, yeah, you did. <laughs> it was good. We'll deny. see where things go. Does How's he know that? about this? No. Ooh, oh, when no. do I tell him? No. I feel no. like I should tell no. him. No. He'll no. know a lot about you real quick. No. Ooh. That's no. scary. Daniel wants to meet him. No. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> We're not carrying this any further. It's over. Maybe. No. Done. <laughs> I don't know about that. Maybe, maybe, maybe. We just, our discussion, we're not carrying it in. Yeah, further. our discussion is over. <laughs> and for me, all I'm doing is skimming and sanding walls. In your basement. In my basement. We have a handy mother. Andy. Handy dandy. And then. Your mother bakes, our mother breaks. <laughs> well, I first tear up and then I build up. Wow, that is actually inspirational. She should be a life coach. She should be. I she should do it. If I think you just look at me in just, the face, you just you just get the warm feeling like I need to tell you everything about my life. They do. Yeah. I don't know what hi, it is. Hi. And you just look at me and it's like, I need to divulge everything about my life. You need Call to know me. me. Maybe I need to start my own podcast. Call oh my gosh, in. you could literally tell me. Tell <gasps> call me. me now. You could be like Delilah, isn't that Delilah? Just call <laughs> I was thinking me. more of Miss Cleo. Tell but... me, honey, what's going on? You should. <laughs> that actually problem? sounds like it would be very successful. It would be. It would wow. be. Except I'm so distracted by everyone else's problems in my. Family. You have a lot of ducks to keep in line. Yes, I have to keep. Hey, my I little... try to keep my own ducks in line. Mm. Mm. What? <laughs> well, then she's got properties that count as ducks too, yeah. and then every individual inside that. I almost that feel duck. like your property is my duck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you should. You know, I have a, I have stuff on my wall written down to take care of at your house. What is there anything left to do right now? Yeah, there there is. Okay. What do you see here? There's nothing. I got to paint right? that window and I got it. You've got mm. mold in the basement. Oh, yeah. Because we like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Broke a glass holding the yeah. air conditioner. Broke it with a screwdriver. It was a fun day. Yeah. You, glass, you yes. know, splinters everywhere. Just so you know. Yeah, I know. Yeah. That's what we say. You tear down and then you, you build, build up. up. It's great. So lucky you didn't drop that thing. <laughs> no. <sighs> How long have we been going? 18 minutes. I'll cut a lot of this and narrow down the like berating at the beginning. Mm-hmm. You're just going to berate your customers. 
You're going to throw them over the, the barrel. No. No. Your wayward customers. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Is wayward a good, is that a yeah, good Yeah, it okay. is. Our mother prides herself on using. I just don't like, I have very vivid memories Excellent growing vocabulary. up of you like just studying vocabulary cards for no reason. I still have Frank's like vocab book, like a thousand words, something, something. I still have that. I Do can't ever... pull common words. I can't remember, can't pull them out, you know, out of my deep inner brain, but I can pull out a big word. <laughs> if Daniel and I are fighting, I was like, I'm going to bust out two big words right here. And who the fuck knows if he knows them or not, but it's going to make me look smart as hell. Watch. And Watch. That's what I say to myself. And I got those words from my mother. <laughs> and if not, you just say F you and you walk away. I look at her when she's trying to do something and I say, you are capable and she looks at me and says, I am not capable. <laughs> yes. She knows Anything what's Anything I up. say, you should disagree with. I am not capable. We're watching Haunted Hill House. No. I'll tell you that. Yep. I was watching it. I know. I, I'm scared. I've heard it makes... I literally read a review on that that said it gives people anxiety and nausea because it's so terrifying. What? I'm on at least episode seven. Oh, now. okay. It's you, Which... What's, What's it's, it on? They're on Netflix. It's okay. like a 10 hour long haunted or a scary movie. It's like 10 hours long, but it doesn't have to be constant like thrill jumping at you or just terrifying features because it's so long. They can let it all breathe. And so you get to know the five kids and the two parents. And oh. that's what it's really is their dynamic and the house that they grew up in that was haunted. And they bought it because it was on sale and they were flipping it. They were flipping. Right. So they were. You're gonna make the spirits mad when you mm-hmm. teared our house up. So they were rehabbing the house, and it's like a mansion. And how many years did they live there? I don't know. Not that I haven't watched it. I don't is know. it like a documentary, or is it a true? It, it just feels like a movie. But then you get to know it's they. They talk about mental illness and substance abuse, and like because it affected everyone differently all the years. So it flashes backwards and forwards. So they're about like in their thirties. Ish. The kids are yeah. so they're reflecting back, back on their life yeah, and oh. the dad and the, mm-hmm. and and the so. haunted house, and they lived there probably for. So, would you say many this years. gives you anxiety and vomiting? Well, I would. I made Daniel watch the first episode. Uh-huh. He falls asleep because okay. that's standard. And so I'm sitting there in the couch, and I was like, "Fuck this! I'm going to where I left off," which is like episode five or six or something, and. It gets more intense. Like, it was one of the more okay. intense episodes. And all of a sudden, I'm like, you know, lean forward. Like, I'm not going to look. I got to look away. It's I got to look. And then you hear. And I was like, oh, our house is haunted. Our house is haunted. It's been haunted this whole time. We have to get out. <laughs> Everyone leave. I have to set it on a fire on now. On fire now. And then I was like, I stood. I like, I paused it and stood up and was like, I'm going to die. It's going to happen. What was it? I went into... Our daughter's room. And I was like, "Oh no, she just hit her head on the wall while she was sleeping. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> She's fine. She's fine. She only woke up a little bit." <laughs> you know, speaking of haunted houses, remember my rental house the first year that the tenants were there, and they called me up and they said, "We need to talk, and we need to talk to the former owner because we have some stuff going on." And you're like, "Oh, okay. oh no, no!" I'm like, "Is it bad stuff?" Not really, but it's children giggling, and we see footprints on our pillowcases. Mm-hmm. I saw a picture of one of those footprints, and it was. I like did a too. Kid. Yeah. Well, I saw the drawing. There's a crayon drawing yeah. I painted over. 
Yeah. In that back room. Mm-hmm. And I like started, I was like, I'm sorry. I, I have, have to cover up this. Crayon I was there alone when we were like in between tenants and I was like, it is haunted, but I have no senses for hauntedness. So I am fine. <laughs> I am okay. And they said the dog would like stare in certain corners and stuff and whine, wouldn't they? When someone mm-hmm. had a dog. So both the previous owner and the tenants both experienced that and the giggling and definitely found out that it was some sort of foster home. Mm-hmm. So there is some history to it. But anyone that's ever lived there has said it's got good vibes. Yeah, that it's nothing. Uh, yeah. No one was traumatized. I don't think so. I don't have any like. People that do scary podcasts, haunted pad- podcasts, are always like, send us your ghost stories. And I was like, my life. <laughs> my life is scary. It's drama. <laughs> but it's not a ghost story yet. No. <laughs> so I don't have ghosts, which I, should, I guess you should all be glad if you don't have any haunted yeah. stories. Maybe. When does this come out? Next this could be. Thursday. What's Thursday? Right before Halloween. Yeah, but then Halloween. the next one to come out would be. I don't know. I don't think I. I don't have scary stories. I just have scary, or I don't have, I don't have any hauntings to speak of. But I have real life terrors. Terror, definitely terror. Yeah, but I think we've already talked about them all on mm-hmm. other podcasts or on our other episodes. Yeah, but I really think I think we should have a Richmond Hill reunion. I was trying episodes to talk one and two. Everyone into where we all are on it. Dad, I, Carla, Danielle, and Daniel. And we, we could just, we need a couple more mics or maybe, we, yeah. I mean, we should go we there. We have the. It'll be six years. We should go there. We should take the mics there with us. I can take Let's them. go to the playground. We'll just, I'll send a Facebook <laughs> message to the other, the other inhabitants of the Richmond Hill and say, don't mind us. We're going to be at the playground doing a podcast. We're going to be at the playground. Podcast. And if you want to come over and comment, just come right over. Hillbillies are very the first bad. people to comment. Hillbillies are. Well, the annoying people will be the first ones to come oh, yeah, over and comment and then yeah. listen and then destroy it. Mm-hmm. So we better not do that. So we better yeah. not do that. We'll just keep it personal, private. In your living room. Yeah. I mean, I know it's rougher, more rough, rougher, because it's our first two episodes, and it was the older equipment, and three people crowded around one type of mic, and I have a lot of good audio clips, though, that are still worthwhile, mm-hmm. but we should do, because the anniversary- well, I don't think you ever really got the uh, the viewpoint from- your dad and I. No, we didn't. So we. I mean, there is that. a different viewpoint from when you live in the neighborhood, following, well, and everything that went on after that. It might be interesting if they replace me or mm-hmm. something. Yeah, because I, I mean, I, I talked to my. Oh, I talked about my experience. experience yeah. yeah, yeah, it was different. You're irreplaceable. Well, I just saying, <laughs> a mom like, would say that. You're irreplaceable. <laughs> Oh, God. We'll consider it. Yeah, it's November coming 10th up. is the anniversary, so yeah, we should talk about it. Okay, do you have any hints or anything? Any hints? Any 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 segues? Ding, 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 uh, ding, yes. ding, ding, ding. I think um, people like to hoard shit, you know? And you like to store things at your relatives' garages, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you um, have a lot of yeah. garages. I have a Paul lot of garages. Paul and Lisa just were like, we're putting something in your garage. Okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> And Here you just come. you don't really know what it is. It's just all in boxes and stuff, and you just go, whatever. Okay, yeah. I've and known people that have carted boxes around and 
for years and years and years and never opened it up. And they end up in people's garages. Boxes. Probably not Boxes. worth shit. Oh, never. Well, I guess every now and then. Every now and again. And they end up on the antique roadshow. I don't oh know. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I just watched that tonight. I found this there porcelain chicken in my grandma's basement. And she told me to throw it out after she died. But I said, I bet that cock's worth something. <laughs> <laughs> There's an episode of Will and Grace where they go to Antique Roadshow. Do they? Yeah. And they find out their thing is worth like $10,000. Yeah. And, and then, then they, they end up it. chasing each other around, claiming that the one person got it and the other person did it. So they didn't have to split it. <laughs> and then they end up dropping it. Of course. And this is mm, a little older. Not old. Appropriate. There you go. Oh, this is appropriate. April twenty second, nineteen eighty. Oh, this way. is a what? What were you doing in nineteen eighty? Uh, I was born. In I 90s. think I probably, probably was in Houston. Oh, I've been married for a year. Still living in Indianapolis. Contemplating, contemplating moving to Houston, Texas. Which we did. Which you did. Wow. How do you like that? That was pretty good. Look up where Newton County is, Indiana. Newton County. It's probably north, near the favorite area that all our murders are. What's wrong with northern Indiana? I'd like know. to know. I don't know. I know some losers up there. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, hold on a second. Yeah, I guess it's up towards the region. Yeah. Closer to Chicago. Yeah. Probably near... And yeah, it's actually right on the border, so yeah. Okay. April 22nd, 1980, a Newton County Highway Department worker was driving the oil-spreading truck for a crew that was putting a chip-and-seal surface on County Road 400 North. That spring day, had gotten he had gotten ahead of the chipping crew, and he used the opportunity to get out of the truck and stretch, and then noticed a box lying in the weeds on the far side of the road in about a 20-foot-wide ditch. He and another worker carried the box across the ditch into the side of the road where he used a tire iron from his truck to pry open the lid. He said the first thing he saw was some material, like an old green quilt. He said he lifted up the quilt with the tire iron and saw... A body! A human skull. Yeah. Oh, not a body. At that like, point... Same. Yeah. Same. At that point, he warned his fellow workers who had gathered around out of curiosity not to touch anything. At the scene, and the sheriff and state police were called. That's pretty good. Like in the 1980s, stop touching stuff. Don't touch anything. Larry Bartley of New Counton, Indiana, coroner, was a crime scene technician for the Indiana State Police then, and it was his job to photograph the scene where the box with human remains was found along the highway and preserve the evidence. More than a skull, human yeah, remains. Human remains. Uh, Gerald Burnman, a deputy with the Newton County Sheriff's Office, said the rural corner of the northwest indiana south of chicago has long been a dumping ground for bodies of people murdered in chicago <laughs> yikes but he said this case stood out in his mind because it was the only body we've ever found in a box <laughs> berman described the area in which the box was found as being absolutely flat and remote with a visibility of four to five miles in all directions and few houses okay so they didn't try very hard to hide it no it was just like there but there's nothing around in indiana's flat he noted that County Road 400 North, where the box was found, there was so little traffic that sometimes hours went by between cars using it. So if you wanted to dump a body, no one would even see you do it. Yeah. Okay. And if you wanted to leave a box, you would think, 
Nobody will even look. It's just a box. So, Jane Doe is what you call them when you don't know what they are, who they are, was photographed and buried uh, because no fingerprints could be collected and there was no DNA technology. However, they did preserve all of the evidence collected at the scene in hopes of future use, so she could. She then became known as the Lady in the Box. The lady very, in the box. <laughs> very clever. We've got some originality going yes. on. Yes. It seems ominous, though. It's very ominous. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> no, that doesn't write. <laughs> oh, I don't know. John David Smith III. Please, if you're lasting this, Smith, don't name your kids John. He put the third with it. That's something. Was born in 1951, and at the age of 19, he married Janice Hartman, also 19, on June 30th, 1970, shortly after their high school graduation. Janice was a free spirit with a rebellious streak, and John appeared much more of a nerd and nearly forgettable, except for the fact that he had a motorcycle. Vroom, vroom, bitches. (laughs) The newly married couple moved to Columbus, Ohio, where they lived for about two years. Gary Hartman, Janice's brother, said that when he went to visit his sister, it it was a domineering type of situation whenever John was around. He would have temper tantrums about Janice's cooking ability, and he threw a chessboard against the wall after losing a game to him once. Like, dude, chill. Like, it's just chess. It's just chess, man. You couldn't pick a more, like, (laughs) chill chill game. game. (laughs) Like, it's not Monopoly. Like, I would understand if it was fucking Monopoly. (laughs) Or checkers. 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 After four years of marriage, Janice called her mother to tell her she was getting a divorce. Janice returned to Wayne County, Ohio, and in the fall of 1974, John moved back as well, and the couple did live together again for a period of time. During this time, Janice worked as a go-go dancer to support herself. Woohoo! I love it! Which is, it's just not a stripper, and the brother kept saying she was it. She loved it. She enjoyed herself. She didn't take, she told her parents, like, anyone can come see. She's dancing. Not stripping. No. Not stripping, just a go-go dancer. Yeah. With high boots on. High boots, yeah. High high white boots. Yes. Oh, my. Yep. Mm -hmm. During this time, worked as a go-go dancer to support herself and was also a police informant on drug-related matters. This, to me, says she got busted for something, and then they said what they do now, that if you don't, if you want to stay out of trouble, you're going to inform on other people Mm -hmm. doing drugs or selling drugs. Yeah. So I bet it was not a willing situation that she was, quote unquote, a drug informant. Um, On November 10th, 1974, Janice was physically attacked, sexually assaulted, and threatened while at a party. The theory was that these guys figured out she was... An informant? Yeah. And then, so they're at a party, everyone's highly intoxicated, and she is physically assaulted by three, three or four guys saying, like, bitches get what they deserve... And she was very, very close to being raped. She was held at gunpoint by a sawed-off shotgun. And one guy was like, dude, you can't kill her. So I was like, oh, we have morals. We have morals. We have morals now. So she was really, as we've talked, you're changed by this. So she tried to go back to, she went to the police, reported it, and then tried to go back to who she was, but couldn't do the go-go dancing thing anymore. Like, she couldn't have fun. She was traumatized. Yeah, she really was. And it's not like they were like, hey, you need therapy also. And... None of those guys got arrested. That was November 10th. And then on November 14th, her divorce was finalized. And then three days later, she disappears. Oh. So we're assaulted, get divorced, disappear. Who's the culprit? It's a good question. So also, the theory was that her ex-husband wasn't real happy about the go-go dancing thing and would still lurk around and 
you know, even though I can't have you, I don't like Ugh. what you're doing. Creep. I like to have some control. Yes, they always want control. So on November 19th, he reports his wife, which technically is his ex-wife, but he refers to her as his wife, missing, and that she was last seen with a stocky man who had a mustache at the Sun Valley Inn. Okay. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Mustache. He told the Wayne County Sheriff's Department that because Janice's beloved Mustang was parked at their trailer, Janice must have returned home in the early morning hours of November 18th and left before he woke. So he's giving, I think, a timeline of why he didn't see her. The men that assaulted Gina said they didn't know anything about it. And the police assumed her dangerous lifestyle had caught up with her or she simply that ran go-go away. That go-go dancing, that is some da- that's and that's dangerous. And the, the brother was like, she didn't have a dangerous lifestyle. Like she was doing, she was hardly go-go dancing for any like period of time. She got married at 19. So she never celebrated being in early adulthood. So he's like, she wasn't some wild, like she had a rebellious streak, but wasn't out living a dangerous life. Yeah. 20 years later. Oh, damn. Gary Hartman, her brother, gets a call from a woman asking to speak to Janice. She said that she was calling on behalf of her sister, Fran, who had gone missing. Oh, and Gary goes, let me tell you something about missing women. Do you know a man named John? John Smith. John Smith. We all do. <laughs> yep. Who doesn't know a John Smith? Mr. Smith, or John, John David Smith III, moved from state to state, settling in Florida. There in 1990, Betty Fran Gladden became the second Mrs. Smith, and the couple moved to West Windsor, New Jersey. Then a little more than a year after they married, Fran disappeared on October 4th. It sounds eerily mm-hmm. familiar. Her disappearance immediately raised questions because she had a broken hip at the time. So she didn't walk off anywhere. No, no, <laughs> no. But still, uh, John said that he believed she had gone on a trip because she had left a note that said, don't forget to feed the fish. And she's out of there. Yeah. She had like a pin in her hip. She was about 50 years old. So What this the is, hell? Mm-hmm. Was he a bit younger? No. No, he 20 just, years passed. 20, 20 years. years. That's yeah. right. He was 20. He's probably like 40 something. Yeah. She was like 49. So she was a bit older, Mm -hmm. according to what I read when she went missing. Um, Fran's sister, Sherry, and her daughter, Deanna, also found the explanation to be bullshit and decided to do some detective work of their own. They had no idea Fran was the second wife of Mr. Smith to disappear. He told their family that... He was a Mennonite bachelor that had never been married and an aeronautical engineer from Ohio State. I'm sorry, what? Yes. I mean, if you're (laughs) going to lie. Go big or go home. Lie big. (laughs) We knew that John Smith was involved in both their disappearances, says Gary. There was just no doubt about it. But with no crime scene, no bodies, the investigation was at a near standstill. There's still nothing you can do. Yeah. Smith moved to San Diego, California, where he met Diana Bertolin. There you go. Diana Bertolin, who soon became the third Mrs. Smith. So he just has some missing wives and he just keeps moving. He's mm-hmm. like, ah, screw it. We'll try another city. Yeah, move on. They got married in September of 1998. So there, I guess there's no Facebook to be like, to look on and be like, hey, I see that people have like on this big timeline of yours that you've got like two women that went missing. And there's no place to yeah. double check. No, especially that they went from Ohio to California mm-hmm. or New Jersey, Indiana. Like it just is all across the country. So. Yeah. Yeah. There's no way to check on anyone. 
We can check these days. Oh, yeah, we can. But in 1999, police decided to question Michael Smith, John's younger brother. He learned about Janice's disappearance from John, who told him that Janice was going into witness relocation program because she was a drug informant. Not entirely impossible, I guess. Mm -hmm. But I would have doubted it. Subsequently, Michael helped John pack some of Janice's belongings at the trailer and transported them to their grandparents' garage in Seville. S-E-V-I-L-L. Seville? Seville, Ohio. I think. So yeah, they're loading up her shit. Michael testified that during the Ohio State-Michigan football game, which was played around Thanksgiving time, he went to the garage to find out why John was not watching the football game that he normally would do. Michael found his brother building a wooden box (laughs) out of plywood. John told him he was building a box for which to store some of Janice's belongings. You can't just build a box during your favorite football Football game. game. That's weird. Like everyone's in here having stuffing and turkey and some damn good cream cream corn. (laughs) Michael said that the box was long and skinny, approximately eight inches high, 16 inches wide and four feet long. According to Michael, when he informed John that those dimensions were not practical for storing things, (laughs) he became angry. That is not practical. (laughs) Said nasty things. So Michael left. (laughs) You're just like someone's giving you pointers on how to build a box. How to build a box. I didn't ask for your opinion, sir. (laughs) So Michael went back inside, finished watching the game, and then the following football game before returning to the garage when he saw... Yeah, went back, saw John had completed the box and was rolling up Janice's belongings, not like folding them. He was lining it with rolled up clothing, tucking them into the edges of the box. Michael described his brother as visibly upset, almost to the point of crying. Afterwards, he saw the box sitting on the north part of the east wall of the garage with some of Janice's other belongings. Michael stated that the box stayed there a few years, but was eventually relocated to the south part of the garage. Okay, if I was... suspicious of you i'd have no issue opening your damn box like listen he even though you nailed that shit he nailed that shit shut who nails a box shut that's i would have been like fuck this bitch opening you got a crowbar (laughs) i gotta open you already know dad would be like yeah what are we doing (laughs) like i gotta open this shit i I need to know i need to know yeah dad busted (laughs) open that that was a lock box from my aunt he's like i'm opening this he had to was there was it full of treasures no papers (laughs) full of papers (laughs) printed off emails yes saved yes thank god hiding all of our family past history and all the bad things that went on (laughs) yes june of 1979 his grandfather who was panicked came up to michael explaining that he had partially opened the box when Michael looked at the box, he could not tell what was inside, but told his grandfather that he would get rid of it. He took the box behind his house and completely pried it open and discovered a human skeleton that had the leg sawed off just below the knee. Got to make sure that it, it fits. Yeah, that's, what I was like, that's why God. it was shorter. Yeah. So he didn't have enough material to make an it, you know. It's not a practical six, size for a box. A no. six foot box. box. Yeah. No. Michael believed that the remains belonged to Janice. Instead of calling the police, Michael called his brother in Hammond, Indiana, and informed him that he had opened the box and looked inside. <laughs> I told you not to open the box. Never open a box. Never. I put nails in it. Why would you open it? They were those little finished nails, too. <laughs> 
According to Michael, John said that he would be right there. Yeah, I'll be right <laughs> there. Oh, you got to be kidding me. A body? <laughs> what? 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 He arrived that night and picked up the box. While his brother was picking up the box, Michael said, what the fuck? (laughs) So he wanted an explanation. According to Michael, John told him that two men drugged him and took him to a warehouse. When he woke, Janice was dead on the floor and an FBI agent and a Wayne County Sheriff threatened to frame him for murder. At that point, he was rendered unconscious again and returned to his trailer. So how do you get the body? Yeah, They didn't give him the box. He made the box. Yeah. After hearing this story... Michael offered to let his brother hide the box in the new cement being poured in an apartment complex that I think his cousin owned or something. So I was like, dude, I'll help you rehide this box. Yeah, even though I know who it is and I know, but maybe he told a good sob story. But he declined putting the box in his black Corvette instead, which was spacious enough to fit the box. And he drove away. According to Michael, his brother told him that he was taking the box to Hammond, Indiana, and he has not seen the box since. He was going to give her a proper burial. Yeah. A Viking funeral. <laughs> <laughs> Viking. <laughs> They're just going to find any water. <laughs> Michael didn't tell anyone about the box until May of 1999 after receiving a non-prosecution agreement and after both of his grandparents were dead. So he's like, I don't want to get in any trouble. And I think this really did affect him. And at first he balked at the police and was like, I ain't telling you nothing until he went home and talked to the wife. And the wife's like, that's why you're a fucking alcoholic is you've got dirty, dirty family secrets. Go back and talk to the police. Let it out. Yep. So he did. Mark. <laughs> Mark. And Michael Smith agrees to participate in a phone sting. Again, Michael Smith came to the plate and had the courage to, to do the right thing and uh, agreed to start recording some of these phone calls hey i got some serious deep here john what can you talk yeah okay listen you know that 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 an fbi agent that bob hill and son of a bitch yeah well he got me a grand jury subpoena i gotta go to new york and testify in front of a grand jury oh yeah i mean like goddamn, john come on you know i'm scared to death here so we wanted mike to confront John about this box story and see what his reaction was. And Mike did that. Well, I'm telling you what I'm going to do. I'm going there to New York and I'm going to tell them the truth. That's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to tell them that we seen you build a box. Granddad and I opened the box. We found Jan in it. You know, that's what I'm doing. I cannot see any other way out of this. I am not going to go to jail for you, John. No, I wouldn't expect you to. Okay. Unless you got some idea. No, I don't unless there's, idea. Unless there's some kind of something. No, it isn't. I mean, that wasn't, I don't know what else to tell you. You know, that that was a joke or something that somebody dropped off in the box. It wasn't Jan in it, but if that's what you... John, believe. that was Jan in the box. We opened the box up. Okay. Her f***ing legs were cut off. Do you want me to continue? No, but... I mean, that's anyway. something that, that's with me for years. I mean, I've had nightmares over this. Okay. I mean, I had nightmares where Jan chased me down the road and beat me with her legs, John. Okay. You know? Okay. The phone tapes convince cold case detectives of two things. Michael Smith is telling the truth about the box he saw in his grandparents' garage, and John Smith is far too clever to incriminate himself. So the investigation takes a turn at that point once we 
Once we're convinced that Michael is telling us the truth, we try to locate this box. They dig in several locations around Seville, hoping to turn up the mysterious box. The team also sends teletypes describing the box to law enforcement agencies across the state of Ohio. A year later, the digs turn up nothing but dirt, the teletypes nothing but dead ends, and the investigation into John Smith once again falters. So now, Wayne County, Ohio Sheriff's deputies sent a letter to all of the sheriffs and coroners in the state of Indiana requesting any information they might have on a Jane Doe that fit the Janice's description. One of the letters crossed the desk of Deputy Sheriff Jerry Berman in Kentland, Indiana. He, rem- he remembered the Jane Doe found on the Indiana Road in 1980. For two decades, he had been haunted by the dismembered woman he found in a wooden box. So they kept all that stuff. And the guy had been there the whole time. So it wasn't a new coroner. He was like a technician, I think, at the beginning and then became the county coroner. So he re- yeah, so. So it's the so same dude. So he remembered that. Mm-hmm. Officer Berman assisted in exhuming the remains in March of 2000. On March 2nd, 2000, cold case detectives begin to dig. A few feet into the earth, detectives expect to find a coffin. And there was nothing there where she was supposed to be buried. So we had seen a little depression about three feet away from where we were digging. And we said the scoop there, and actually what they had done was taken her bones and put it in a baby casket and just place that in the ground. The remains are exhumed and taken to a forensic anthropologist and then to the FBI lab in Washington. A DNA sample from Janice Hartman's mother is also collected and compared against a sample drawn from the bones of the corpse. We're waiting for the DNA to come back. Obviously, uh, I'm able to get... uh, the reports and the photographs of the discovery of the box in 1980 and moreover the more recent pictures of the evidence and what convinced me was that some of these items that were in the box were exactly what Michael had told us all along. Michael Smith told detectives John Smith had items of Janice's clothing with him as he built the box in 1974. Inside the box, cold case detectives recover similar items used to line the interior. Even more startling, is the strange detail provided by Michael when he opened the box in 1979 and saw the corpse itself. He described the skeleton's hair as rainbow-colored. And the reason for the rainbow-colored hair was because there was another pair of pants in the box along with these others. And as the body decomposed, it saturated some of the dyes in this other pair of pants, which bled through to Jan's hair. So when Mike opens the box and describes to us this rainbow-colored hair, he was exactly accurate the remains in the box were eventually identified using mitochondrial dna as being janice hartman they couldn't use dental because she didn't have any dental records she had no teeth she had (laughs) she was a toothless go-go dancer (laughs) no she had teeth (laughs) she was party party (laughs) all i had left were those white boots no go-go dancing days didn't have any boots they took her leg (laughs) yeah where'd you put her legs you weirdo that is i don't think they ever say oh the legs went with the boots Boots. yeah (laughs) there's boots in a garage out there boots and some legs these boots are made for walking there's white boots in a garage somewhere (gasps) out there that were on yeah with bones with bones in In them them. yeah no i scared (laughs) 
They never determined a cause of death, however. Um, Dr. Stephen A. Sims, a forensic anthropologist, explained that if trauma, for instance, a bullet does not directly impact the bone, it doesn't show up on skeletal remains. Mm. Dr. Sims also testified that Janice's lower legs were sawed off post-mortem, most likely with a serrated knife. So he said whoever did this had some serious motivation, like the type of knife he was using. Like it took some effort and some motivation to do it. Ugh. That's gross. Well, yeah. So the third wife, uh, you know, they stand. Yeah, I'm, which wife are we on? The, was it the, that was the first, the first one, one okay. they found in the box? That this, makes sense. Okay. And now the third one, you know, stuck by him at the the beginning. But then after two visits from FBI agents, Diana filed for a divorce and a restraining order, which read in part, "My fear is based on respondents." So John's explosive temper. The discovery of John's two previous marriages and the fact that both of his previous wives have disappeared and are presumed dead. So I feel like that that could grant you a divorce, I feel like. I think so. Police finally had enough evidence to arrest John David Smith III for murder of Janice Hartman in October of 2000 in Escondido, California. Escondido. Escondido, California. He was convicted in July of 2001 and was sentenced to 15 years to life in prison. He was denied parole in 2011, and the family of Janice Hartman sought civil damages against Smith's grandfather and brother, but I thought the grandfather was dead. But anyways, they sought damages for alleged involvement in the cover-up. So they helped, you know. They're like, you knew you did nothing. Yeah, that they didn't get any money. John is incarcerated at Marion Correctional Institute in Ohio. His next parole hearing is in December of 2019. Don't let him out. No, he's No, because he'll get married again. I know. So Betty Fran is still missing and foul play is suspected, but John has not been charged in her case. However, he was found liable for her wrongful death in a civil suit in 2002 and was ordered to pay $1 million million to her family, which they have not seen a dime of. Betty would now be 79 years old. She was, uh, she has blonde hair and blue eyes, weighing about 115 pounds, stands five foot two. She has a scar on her left knee and a hysterectomy scar on her abdomen, as well as a pin in her right hip. Uh, You'd think if they found remains, they'd be able to be like, oh, this has yeah. a fr- this has With a pin, pin in it. A pin yeah, in the, the pin. Don't they have like serial numbers too? Perhaps I'm sure. Last seen at the couple's Westminster Township, New Jersey residence on October 4th. Wow. Additionally, skull fragments fragments were found in a locker owned by John that belonged to a third unidentified woman. Photographs of two unidentified women were also found in his possession and formed the the basis of ongoing Jane Doe inquiries. So he is a serial killer. Probably. Probably. Yeah. This is a storage facility near Seville, Ohio. Inside it is a locker, once used by John Smith, and evidence... The convicted murderer might just be a serial killer. Myself and Sergeant Potts, we had a, uh, a canine out there. Uh, Sandy, Sandy Anderson and her dog Eagle were out there. And we went and we searched the previous unit, which John no longer maintained. And in the course of that search, we found uh, th- I don't know, two, three, four pieces of bone fragments. And I'm not a forensic expert, so we submitted them to an anthropologist who informed us that the pieces were the top portion of a human skull. DNA testing establishes that the skull does not belong to John Smith's other missing wife, Fran Gladden Smith. But if not her, then who? Fran's family believes they might have found the answers. 
In researching John Smith's background, they happened across an old briefcase he once owned. It was spooky because when we opened it up, there were some financial papers in there and there were pictures of four women. One of the pictures is of Janice Hartman, the woman John Smith is convicted of killing. The second is Fran Gladden Smith, the woman he is suspected of killing. The other two pictures, older snapshots, are of John Smith with unidentified women. These women are in a, a, a select group, but it, it's not a good one. Everybody else is dead. Since these pictures were found, one of the women has been identified and accounted for. The other remains a mystery. And cold case detectives wonder if the picture and the skull they found are connected. And the question you need to ask yourself is, does a man such as John Smith, does he kill a woman in 1974 for which he's now convicted, Janice Hartman? And then in 1991, he's married again to another woman, Betty Fran Smith, and she disappears in a very similar parallel manner, indicating that he likely also killed her. Does a, a man like that kill one woman in 1974, another woman in 1991, and nobody between, during, or after? So when you ask me when we find these other photographs of these other women, yes, I'm concerned. I want to know who they are. So I just don't... So he hid these... He had at least one body mm-hmm. at, like, his, what, his grandparents' house? Yeah, just in the garage. And, like, no it one noticed stink. the smell. Oh. So they had... During the trial, they had cadaver dog, a cadaver dog named Eagle, and he alerted... Like, just at, like, no big deal where the decomp was. And they tried to throw that out at trial. But they're like, because the dog is corroborating <laughs> his brother's <laughs> statements. Yeah. Like, there was a body. And the dog says, yes, I agree. There was a body here. And they Check wanted, the check mark. They're like, the dog is unreliable, blah, blah, blah. But they, they kept it in. They're like, eagles never lies. <laughs> never. He's, he took an oath. He told some people it was a goat body in there. Like the frick you doing with the goat? You're still a serial killer yeah. if you got a goat body. Other, you know, he told a lot of different varying stories about what happened to his first wife that she ran off with a drug dealer that she was seen here or that or that you know. But th- that he would actually put the box along the side of a road. That almost doesn't even seem like a plan to me. You're just kind of driving and went. Well, there's no one fucking around anywhere. Like I just push this out the back. I think I'll drop a box. So I watched this on a forensic files. <gasps> Oh Yay, my gosh! I wonder files. if I started watching it, if I'd reckon I've I think I've seen almost I think everyone. It was Deadly matrimony, maybe or something like that. It's also a lifetime shit like that does not ring in my memory though, unless I'm watching the episode. Yeah. A lifetime movie titled Murder on Pleasant Drive, Cold Case Files, the book Stranger in My Bed by Michael Fleeman, and My Sister Is Missing: Bringing a Killer to Justice by Sherry Gladys Davis. So that's her daughter or sister. Her sister, sorry. So, and who the bleep did I marry? But I didn't get to watch that. Who's a bleep did I marry? It wasn't on Hulu. Like they had, I wonder if they had some seasons, but not that one. Forensic Files, they also found his fucking Corvette and could see the marks of where a box was slid in and then bumped the window. Like it, he sold it to a trade, like someone owned it. And you could see where the perfect size of a box had skidded in and bumped the window, like in the material towards the trunk of a Corvette. Like the way it and lays. And caused some damage. Yeah, scuffed it up and the, the width of the box fit perfectly. Wow. I was like, Forensic That's Files! <laughs> forensic Files is the best. Yes. That's on H&L. H&L. Or HLN. Sorry, HLN. HLN. Okay. Oh, I think I did it. 
So did that it. was a good I've one. I've never heard that one. Mm, I forgot about it. I mean, I knew, I, and it took me a while. I remembered, I put like the woman in the box or something. Like I remembered that line, but I wasn't sure. So they have pictures of the box and shit. Mm-hmm. I'm sure. And yeah. they laid a quilt over, he laid the quilt, or it's almost thinner than that, almost like a nightgown type of material over her face. And when you pull it up, you can see her face in the nightgown. So it left a mark. Because it decomposed or... the whole time on her oh. face. And when you pull it up, like not enough to identify, but you can That's see like, a face. Like Jesus. Yeah. <gasps> That's like no, Jesus like in the shroud. Horror. Yes. It's like a horror film. That's no, that was like. Veronica with the. She didn't she wipe Jesus's face and then his face became imprinted on the towel? I yeah, you're just asking the wrong person. I just can remember <laughs> just that said, bullshit. Jesus, that's as far as I go. <laughs> yeah. So they found. So they had all that stuff in there, but yep, they kept it all and could test it, but it didn't have DNA or fingerprints, and she didn't have any dental records. So it took having the body and having her mom, the mitochondrial DNA. Wow. We love the DNA The mitochondria stuff. is a powerhouse no, so of the, the cell. cell. I was going to say, Carla's going to, I was like, I bet she knows this, because it's the one thing you need to know in high school yeah. or middle school, like nothing else matters. The mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. Oh. <laughs> That's all that matters. That's just fabulous. I know. It means nothing, I, truly, to, not, nothing. nothing to it's me. It's the powerhouse. All I know is I made a, we had to make like an edible cell. Mm-hmm. I made like a brownie, and then like I made the nucleus was a potato. Oh, Ugh. yum. Yeah, and then you had like the oh, the mitochondria. I wonder what that I forget. But I remember I used like little noodles for mm-hmm. the I know deoxynimonucleic yeah. de- acid. acid. Yep. <laughs> like, that was pretty good. That was good. Yeah. yeah, it looked pretty gross. Nobody ate it. Oh, <laughs> But I it was it. supposed to be really, really edible. Like you were going to eat the... I put a potato on top of brownies. <laughs> Everyone goes, gross. no. Like, yeah, no. And that oh. was the extent of my cooking. No, but then you made cookies here. I did make cookies, and they they were so good. I want and the did recipe. You bring us any? No, she no. didn't. I took them to work. Is. They were gone before noon. I see. I brought. I took like forty of them in. When I was growing up, I used to bake chocolate chip cookies, and by the time I was finished, they were already gone. Well, you had so many damn siblings. So the, either the neighbors and all the boys in the family would just eat and eat and i'd be cooking and bringing them out and then i was done and they were gone and you're like well riley helped me and that was not the case (laughs) because i made i think three dozen of them and i still have dough left over oh and you still didn't bring that here i forgot oh shame on you we had ice cream until daniel finished it in the middle of the night i thought you were gonna put a lock on the fridge i can't (laughs) (laughs) oh so now I liked that one. And yes. now we bring it to a conclusion. Maybe a little more pure for the sensitive souls. And were we calm enough? Were mm-hmm. we We were calm. Okay. We had a genuine conversation. Were we well behaved? I didn't mention <laughs> that whatever our toilet did in a previous life to deserve living here must have been really bad <laughs> because I texted you that today. I know. I was a, I was taking a nap. But I so there I could have talked about poop, but we didn't. We we've avoided that. Mm-hmm. That's good. Daniel's not here to make any really sexually offensive, crude remarks. Crude remarks. Yeah. So some people will be just pleased as punch. You may get some feedback about have your mother on well, more, more often. often. Your mother is she's, she's just wow. really a pleasure. Your mother's a gem. Your mother's just a gem. <laughs> 
No wonder you two are just the way you are. Everyone should listen to what, not an episode number four, maybe, where we go to Disney World and (laughs) certain certain events unfold around our mother that were just beyond her control. Beyond my control. And our poor mother. We say that a lot, though. We go, poor mother. You're doing doing damage to my brain right now. (laughs) There's some trauma. I'm mortified. And then she told people on the phone. Her daughter told people when she talked to him on the phone, you pooped your pants. Nina poop her pants. <laughs> okay, we're not going. Back. Okay, we're oh, not, okay, okay. not going to do it. We Just didn't go, really go there. No, go listen to that episode. Carla, tell them where to find us. Um, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter. We are at Who's Your Homicide. You can like us on Facebook. And uh, you can listen to our episodes on um, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Podbean and stitcher yeah that was a real good repertoire she's got it ding 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 ding, 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 ding. <laughs> i just always want to be like ding 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 motherfucker <laughs> but that defeats the purpose <laughs> so yes tell a friend don't like rate review or subscribe if, if you're gonna, gonna be a meanie head yeah if you're gonna be mean I'm about sensitive. it if you're gonna yeah. be mean about it i'm gonna have to talk to you <gasps> you oh, don't want you don't want that you don't want, want a nice lady to come have a talk with you i'll make you divulge everything about your life and then she'll turn around and talk about it on and this you podcast won't even yeah know happening yeah <laughs> she'll karate chop your soul <laughs> so yes this was a different speed for the three of us. I kind of like it. I liked it. It's a good case. Interesting. I'm glad DNA has evolved in case I go missing. You'll be able to find me more promptly. The mitochondria is the powerhouse that's of the cell. cell. That's if the you ever important. go min- missing, that's when they come question me. That's what I'm going to say. It's only from Absolutely. the mom because mitochondrial DNA is in the tail of the sperm and that gets cut off as it enters the egg. Oh, I never knew that. <laughs> bring it. Bring it. I never <laughs> knew that. <laughs> If I'm wrong, it's because I'm not a scientist. <laughs> I've been wrong once or twice. <laughs> so, yes. Man. Positive reviews to help my self-esteem. And for honest to goodness, stay, stay out, out of the, the corn. corn. Ooh, Ooh mom. Mom's here. <laughs> hey, yo. I have to pee. Go pee.